0: Respect to the people of the Woi Wurrung and Bunwarang language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations on whose unceded
1: lands the Sin office and studios stand. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present, and emerging. Sin Media also acknowledges the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which Sin partner organisations stand. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello. Welcome to Racer Platform. Today we have the incredible Amy Marks, a SIN alumnus and former executive producer. Today I'll be your host, Amy. So, hi Amy, welcome back to Racer Platform. It's been a wonderful time to have you on the show again.
0: Hi Amy. how are
1: you? Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I'm um, so excited. I've been the EP of Racer Platform now for about five years. That's absolutely amazing, and I've loved my experience at Razor Platform, and you're a former executive producer and a former host, so Amy, um, what have you been doing since you aged out of Sin?
0: Yeah, well, I guess just to go back to Sin, I, um, I suppose you could call me an executive producer, kind of, there were a few of us, so... Um, but the main one at the time that I was in SYN was Rosie Jeans. Um, and she was really great, but she kind of, we kind of all shared the role. So it's really nice, um, I guess, now that you're in the role and, um, yeah, and you've been doing it for so long and so great. Um, so what have I been doing since since SYN? Um, well, I finished up uh, my degree, so I started... Um, at, CIN, at the start of my degree, a bachelor of screen media, and I went and I finished that. Um, and then I went to America for about six months um, in 2019, where I did a um, working internship overseas at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Um, and I've also been really fortunate um, to work at various. Disability advocacy organisations um, at state and national level, and um, board level as well, which has been really wonderful um, to kind of, I guess, have that um, overview. Because when you're on a when you're on a board, I guess um, you really get to influence the uh, the strategic direction of an organisation and like what they want to focus on in advocacy and stuff. So that was a really cool experience. And um, working at a national org as well was really cool and getting to work with um, disabled people and disabled young people across the country. Yeah.
1: Well, that's absolutely wonderful, um, Amy. That's absolutely wonderful experience you've had since you've left Razor Platform. And so do you have any fun stories of absolutely fun times that were had when you were part of Razor Platform? Because I joined uh, in twenty nineteen, and then um, EP in twenty twenty, and we were shot inside. So we've really um, Razor Platform has been unfortunately a bit on the um, sleepy side lately. So did you have any really fun experiences when you were part of Razor Platform?
0: Um. So when I was part of Razor, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I have. A, I have a few. I mean. It was always um, there were a few little um, traffic jams. So we were at the the old studios. Um, so for any listeners, obviously we moved to studios a couple of years ago and raised the platforms, being um, filmed inside. But we filmed at the old studio, filmed recorded at the old studios in RMIT. Um, and um, at the time, I think at one point we had two or three wheelchair users. Um, on raise the platform but the doorway was very skinny and so often you know we'd have I think it was um there was a seasonal before us and I think Asian pop nation after us for memory um and we would have like one song to get like three wheelchairs in the door and it was always like a very like almost playing Tetris with wheelchairs and chairs in the studio and lots of laughs and trying to get everyone organised. There was more than one time where we kind of went to air while people were still trying to get inside the studio um, and just kind of chaos, I guess, would be the word. Um, but it was fun. And then obviously, I guess, um, you know, I think, I think there's benefits from how you have recorded over the past few years, maybe not having to be um, in person because I think in person does present, I guess,
1: like, accessibility barriers. It's really true and it's why we have now moved away from live broadcasting and it's about setting it needed. Um, yeah, I think
0: um, being in person... You know, it was really great, but it does it does present accessibility barriers. I think, you know, while that in-person uh, one-to-one was really nice and face-to-face and um, we had some really good moments and got coffee before and after the show, which was always kind of really
1: fun. Oh, we um, never did that. No, I missed <laughs> out. This is a scam. No. I feel completely scammed right now. Oh, my golly, golly, gosh.
0: Yeah, while, while in-person is really valuable and, you know, when we got coffee kind of before and after, all the moments that I can kind of think of that were really fun were on air. So I think, or, like, pre-recorded or whatever. So I think part of it um, also while it's like, oh, these really fun moments in person, I don't think they're necessary to be in person. Like, I think there's a balance between both because I because I always worry when people are like oh we had so much fun in person that it can make people feel like if they're not in person they'll miss out um I don't necessarily think that's the case it's just you know making that time to do stuff online so while you know we had some fun times afterwards it was mainly like when we we're on air I don't even remember what happened but um I was um making a short film for uni one day when we were recording and one of the um hosts at the time aiden uh was in my film and we had decided to film his bit of the short film right before we recorded Rays and go to the studio together or whatever and we got into the studio and we got told off uh by the other hosts and EPs, because something had happened while we were filming the film. I couldn't even tell you, um, and we could not get a sentence out because we were laughing so hard, and um, we we weren't allowed on air that day because we couldn't stop um, we couldn't stop laughing. So that was a very funny day. We had to like step out of the studio, and I couldn't even tell you what was so funny. We just found it absolutely
1: hilarious how has volunteering for raise a platform been a valuable experience for you
0: um i think volunteering for raise was really valuable for me in terms of um so i was 19 yeah 19 maybe just 20 when i joined uh raise initially so initially i wasn't really sure what raise the platform was um I went to join SYN. I'd always wanted to join SYN when I was in Melbourne, um, particularly, I guess, because I was a big, like, Hamish and Andy fan at the time and um, all the alumnus that have come through SYN in general. And then I kind of got told about RAISE as well as all of other sin's offerings. And what I found for me was that RAISE was really helpful in... Um, not only learning about disability advocacy and spending time with other disabled young people, Um, I know they identify as disabled, so I'm comfortable using that language in this case, Um, where we were given, I guess, the uh, trust to put on a radio show and to do those things and really kind of grow and also, like, talk about Disability advocacy, how we wanted to talk about it. So it made it easier and I think really benefited me um, when I've taken on work in the disability sector specifically, in terms of being able to like speak about advocacy or explain an idea or explain a concept or um, just be really, I guess confident in communicating those really big ideas and how they impact me or others um, as members of the disability community. And, And yeah, and like also, you know, sometimes when you're in the disability space, if you wanna work in the disability space or if you are working in the disability space, sometimes it can be, you have to think of ideas really quickly or kind of, We have to talk about really complicated concepts like, um, you know, the social model and the medical model of disability and some more. So I think Raise the Platform in particular really gave me a platform to practice that. And I don't think I would have been as confident or as able to, to take on the jobs I have since without RAISE, yeah, allowing me to practice kind of communicating those thoughts.
1: So what skills did RAISE Platform provide you with?
0: Yeah, um, the skills that RAISE the Platform provided me with, I think, as I said, was like communication in terms of um, just like talking about really complex ideas and being able to share my thoughts and views on them. I think as well, like practicing coming up with ideas, just the content and stuff. Um, so while I guess I do a lot of work in the disability sector, I really um, am trying to I want to work more in, I guess, the, the general um, media landscape, media sector, with a disability perspective but not necessarily on disability um so i think you know that practice of putting a show together and a run sheet and all of those things was really helpful um and just working with others and teamwork and you know we had a great time on race but sometimes we disagree or sometimes someone would have an idea and we wouldn't want to like a lot of us wouldn't want to do it but we'd Kind of do it anyway because they wanted to do it and, like, working through that and making sure everyone um, got their ideas kind of heard and also just, like, I don't know, learning to burn songs on a CD because I feel like we don't really do
1: that much anymore. I'm a USB user, so all songs are USB um, organised, but I absolutely would love to have that sort of career. That's like, working at, like, the ABC on Four Corners, doing, like, a show focus on disability for Four Corners, you know, doing things like foreign correspondent disability around the world. Absolutely yeah, brilliant, really cool. absolutely amazing career. Also with theatre, doing directing, you know, your regular Shakespeare performances, but also directing stuff by disabled writers and casting disabled actors. Amazing career.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, um, yeah, I think that sounds really good in me and I hope... Um, like, raises has really kind of helped set you up for that as well because I think, like, you know, you've you've done so much over the past few years. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know, but, like, what skills have you kind of learnt so far?
1: Um, I think, um, well, when I do RAISE the Platform, I did it in Studio Live in a couple of times. I was on the – I had not only – I had written the um, run sheet for the day organised with everyone else what we were doing. Um, I was hosting, speaking in part of a panel and doing the broadcast desk at the same time and programming, back announcing, forward announcing and playing the songs all at the same time. So that's an amazing skill that most people can't do.
0: Um, yeah, flex I agree. it. Yeah, um, no, I totally agree. It's... Um... It's difficult to do it all for for people who haven't um, ever seen a broadcast desk before. There's like a million buttons but you've got to only focus on twelve but you've got to hit them all like at the right time yes. and stuff.
1: You know, yeah. when people yeah. are talk you know, when people are talking, just making sure their audio levels are we call it tickling the orange. Um, mm. making sure that their microphone is actually on when they talk. Making sure mm. that all this, you know, the songs are ready to be to play. Um, you turn everything off from the microphone when the song is about to play. Then you play the song. Make sure the um, edit PC is playing a song. Make sure the volume levels are just right. Cue it in and make it play. And then when the song I finishes... I think
0: the scariest thing being in studio, at least when I was in studio, is there's always like a split second when you introduce a song. Um, so when a song is playing what listeners might not know is when a song is playing, we can tell that we're not on air because we could at least in this studio, I'm not sure about the new one, but we could hear the songs in the studio. But there's always that split second where you're like, uh, are the mics still on or are they not on? Like are we good? Like and that's always like the scariest. I think like one second for me is when like you finish talking and you're like, oh no, I hope It's not like dead air, like silence. Like I hope it's playing that you're just waiting for it to like come through the speakers to check.
1: Well, I've got some stories about this. Um, One time, I was not doing Razor Platform, another show. The um, person who was doing the um, broadcast desk also talking had had played a song, put the song on to play, had not turned the studio microphones off, and I was in the studio. I didn't like this song very much. I was like, turn that rubbish down. So when the song was playing, you had me saying "turn that rubbish." I didn't say the word "rubbish." I said a much naughtier word you can't say on air. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, those things happen, and it's always really funny. But I think it's
1: really embarrassing. It's um, embarrassing, I, but I, trust I, me, the I, song was mind. garbage. Well, Trust me, the song was garbage.
0: <laughs> um, but a bit, yeah. Whoops! Whoops! Now, now I'm curious what the song is. You're going to have to send it to I your I forgot parents.
1: what it was. It's, I, I'd never heard it before. It was, it was something like it was like a DJ sort of song. I didn't okay. like it. I made <laughs> sure people knew I didn't like it. But I didn't realise that the whole listenership of the show was going to know that I didn't like that song. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Oh, well, at, le- at least at least, they know you're honest with your opinions, Jimmy. me.
1: Well, I'll raise the Platform is the most honest show on in media right now. We pride ourselves on pr- pure brutal honesty and we ensure that we only share the most honest of opinions. Oh, very good, very good. Um, one of those opinions is that I have the worst radio voice in the world. I don't think so. It's more about making a radio character, really. It's more about making like, a radio character of yourself. You know, give yourself that sense of personality. So, yeah. The next one yeah. is: Have we asked how has volunteering built employability skills yet? Sorry, have we asked the question, how can volunteering help build employability skills?
0: Um, I think volunteering can really help employ. Uh, I think volunteering can help really improve employability skills. You know, from all the things I've said before, but even just, like, um, practicing, like, getting into a routine and being somewhere on time and having a commitment and all those things. And I think also, particularly um, with radio and stuff, it can it can give you a little bit more confidence as well because you kind of – I guess it's a more um, – extroverted sort of role but I don't think you necessarily if you yeah, if you're not extroverted, I don't think you necessarily need to be to be um a volunteer on raise or on sin in, in general there'll be there'll be roles for you but it's a good way I guess also to practice that um, because I guess whether we like it or not there's a lot of Um, listeners may relate to, as disabled people, we often have to maybe be a bit more extroverted than we want to or, you know, do something we have to kind of, um, I'm not autistic, but I um, do relate with some neurodivergency, so I use this term in a very general sense, but we kind of have to mask a little bit a lot of the time or like put on a personality or whatever. Um, and it can it can be difficult, and I don't think we should have to do it, but, like, I think raising and similar are a good way to, to practice doing that as well if you're not as confident with it. So then when you need to, if you need to, um, kind of in the regular world, you kind of know how to do it as well. Uh, um, but, yeah, I just think, like, there are so many benefits to volunteering, um, whether it's at SIN, at RAISE or elsewhere, um, it can just really boost your your skills. I guess like, I do wanna play devil's advocate for one second and particularly as young people, just when you are volunteering, just make sure you're like not being, um, I guess like exploited. Um, so if you're, if someone's like making you do work, you really don't want to do like every job has stuff. People don't want to do every volunteer job, you know, that's why they need sometimes volunteers. But I think like, if you feel like you're doing the same job as like people who are paid to be there at a different place, um, just really making sure that, you know, um, yeah, you're not being taken advantage of. Cause I think that is the thing with volunteering that can happen. Um, not often, but it's always just worth being like, is a really great experience. But also if you're doing like work that like everyone else is being paid for, um, just being really mindful of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I think volunteering is often associated with helping people. Um, and I feel that volunteering at places like Sin don't have the same feeling of volunteering. You're not going out in the community, engaging with the community in the same way. It's a volunteering for yourself. I picture it in the same way. I picture maybe volunteering at a place like La Mama Theatre where you volunteer as a stagehand and things like that. Yeah. And I think that volunteering for yourself to build your career is... A very different experience of volunteering at, say, a place where you outreach in the community. And people often think of volunteering as a very selfless and a very altruistic thing, but I think we need to get away from that perspective of volunteering and really understand that volunteering for a disabled person is a way where we build real industry experience and put ourselves out there in the community. And I can tell you one thing. I've been working with a person who's helping me. With like he's basically like a job agency helping me find work, and paid employment in this field. And he's like amazed at my sin experience. He says you should get. He basically said I should get paid for this, and I feel that mm-hmm. we should get paid for this. And it's something I'm really talking to sin about right now. Having the autonomous shows be be paid um, endeavors, even if it's only an honorarium of you know thousand dollars a year. That's money for a disabled person that they otherwise wouldn't be getting for work that I feel they should be paid for. And I think the amount of support that I give the community is absolutely so valuable to the community. And I feel that by doing this, I'm I'm like helping disabled people in a way that is really good because it allows disabled people to have a voice it allows us to have a place in the community and also it gives us industry experience employability experience to self-advocate and to go out in the community and get a job that they want that you want to get which is something I'm really passionate about
0: Um, and look I think you hit the nail on the head just there. That's the kind of difference, volunteering for yourself. Like, if you find it really fulfilling and it's your art and, like, all this sort of thing and sin, and I want to make it clear, like, I I, I agree on some of what you're saying around the honorarium, but I want to make it clear when I'm talking about exploitation, I'm not talking about sin um, at all. I think, you know, it's a really creative thing, but I think just as, as disabled people, sometimes... In other places, you know, even if other people are getting paid, where kind of made the volunteers? Um, like I'm specifically talking, I guess, like at um, some maybe like more disability orientated
1: enterprises or like. Oh my God! Don't get me started, centers. please. Don't. Get, I could okay. rant about this for hours on end.
0: Um, but I guess that's that's the point that I'm making. Is just that those places oh really God. think about are you are you volunteering for yourself like why are you volunteering or are you doing work that you should be paid for um and do you talk to someone about that because i think volunteering is so so valuable for disabled people but also sometimes we can be taken advantage of and be kind of stuck
1: i think you know i think it's something i need to reflect on as my work in race the platform especially since we're starting to get a much a larger volunteer base at this show and making sure that I make this a very positive environment and I make an environment that leads towards paid employment. And I think oh. that um, SIN is a media organisation. We are all volunteers. You volunteer on the shows that are not oriented towards any specific community. And I think that's a very important thing to know about. But I also oh. think that... Um, this is the show was actually founded by disabled people back in I believe twenty fourteen, and I think that um, we went out of our way to make Sin a back then majority music station have a disability orientated program, and I think that we need to really talk to um, Sin about her giving us an honorarium, and I think there are two ways that disabled people are exploited in volunteering. The first way is fetishization. It is when able bodied people, you know, go to um, nursing homes, group homes and, you know, do it just to show how, how much they support disabled people, how much they love disabled people, but in reality they're just doing it for themselves and they're using disabled people wow. as props. They're using them as we they're using us as props. They're using us as ways for them to get more famous, you know, going around showing how amazing they are, you know, posting on their Instagram. The second way is um, you know, just well, actually there's three. I'm gonna make it three. The second way is disabled people unable to find work, so they put them in volunteer positions which otherwise would be considered work. And I mm. worry that race a platform could become like this. and I worry that if we are not advocating for you know ourselves to it's either a lead to paid employment or B, Get some sort of honorarium to, um, because Sin can't afford if they've kind of, I think they feel that if they were to pay us, they must pay all the EPs. But I've discovered that there are two positions at Sin that are given an honorarium, and I think that's really important. And another theatre company, Stars on the Moon, who we're hopefully going to be interviewing soon, is starting to pay an honorarium to their directors and assistant directors. It's not much, yeah. but it proves that they are working towards an accessible environment. The third way is enterprises disabled people basically being in my opinion slave labor paid mm. very low money for very menial tasks. Um and I actually when I was in high school a an organization I believe called Endeavor Industries or Scope came to our school and they did a talk and they were the same people actually doing the talk and it was very interesting one of them was quite well known and the second part of the this thing was we were, we actually went to a enterprise um and it was they just did like literally sticking labels on things putting things in things it was so menial mm. and it was so degrading because at the time i wasn't as much of an advocate as i was i didn't know where i was in the world And I'd been led to believe this is my future and I came from a very high-powered, empowering school and this was really, really confronting and no one knew I was disabled and I didn't like it very much. I felt there's actually one near where I live, actually on the main road, the road off where I live and it's... I don't like. I don't drive past that road for a number of reasons because it's a very icky road for me. But my god, it's really. I don't like seeing it. I don't like seeing it. Okay. No. I yeah, just think...
0: I think I think it's a um, it's in you know pain or all of or that. Uh, again, I ugh, sin's in such a different place that I don't want to comment on sin uh, directly personally and there's so many layers there but i agree that i think like on our own particularly for disabled people are really important um and i really like the three you touched on i think you kind of touched on it but again there's just a fourth one where you mentioned like the exploitation where people you know go and volunteer and kind of force themselves to hang out with disabled people and like oh look at the good work i'm doing but i think there's another one where like they kind of bring disabled people into their organisations are into their work, but don't really give them meaningful work. And they're just kind of there. So everyone can like, look at them, um, look at the person and kind of be like, Oh, look, we've, we've got someone with a disability here. How great are we? Or conversely, conversely, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for or, you know, the other way around, um, where they do maybe bring a disabled people person in and give them, give them meaningful work and whatever but it's meaningful work that they should be getting paid for um because they're doing the same work as other employees um i also think with those kind of enterprises
1: that you mentioned
0: where you get paid a
1: dollar a day by the way just putting that out there just emphasizing that and it's like there's no hiring process there's no competitiveness it's just to no. get hired, and they say it's more for social things. And when I was reading on a bunch of social media sites when this was unveiled, um, people were like, "Oh, it's just a social thing. It's not really work. It's work."
0: But what it work? Then why do they have the? Worth? If it's
1: work, then why you? Why is a company like? Because companies like Kohl's and stuff outsource to these places, legitimate stuff you can buy in the supermarket outsource to these places to do things like sticking labels on things. It's a product that's getting sold. It's work. Yeah. And you know, and then there's, you know, the the
0: able bodied managers and whatever and they're getting paid. So And they get like, paid real money. It's, yeah. And it's work and it's work. You know, we're in a cost of living in crisis right now it's like it's like you know almost criminal how low those payments are and I was reading um I think it was UK based um so you know it doesn't necessarily factor in the NDIS but even with the NDIS that uh the average person with disability to like have the same I guess like lifestyle so like food, rent, basics, when I say lifestyle, as someone who's able-bodied, we have to earn like 28% more money because things are just more expensive when you're disabled because you need like, you know, specialised stuff sometimes or, you know, certain products or whatever. And so, you know, our costs are arguably like 28% higher. Yeah, oftentimes we're being paid by... You know, a
1: hundred percent less, and not to mention, if you do get the benefits from the government, they're taken away as soon as you have a partner. Apparently, yeah. you know, I'm not eligible. Apparently, I'm not eligible for these benefits, and not only that, getting on the end of you guys isn't isn't. like I'm in the process of doing it. Isn't somebody meant to come to your house and make like a plan for you or something really degrading like that? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Personally, I went to an office.
0: Um, and I was able to do most of it online, but I think regardless of that, you know, it's really important to, yeah, all government support is so conditional and so many people who um, have disability and have experience of disability and identify as disabled don't qualify when they should qualify. So I think, and... you know, it, it sucks that it's so conditional.
1: And also like being told that we're rotting the NDIS and when really um, our services are not that good that we get through the NDIS and the vast majority of the money that is so-called rotted goes to the CEOs of these NDIS providers um, when they pay their social workers and their case workers so little and so a little the money actually goes to helping the, you know, actually getting the service. It's really disgusting. It's really horrible. And no one is doing anything about it. And we're just sitting here having, you know, talk show hosts on, you know, on like, top news stations telling us that we're rorting the system. We're stealing taxpayer dollars because we want to have a better standard of living. I mean, a standard of living that is the same level as the able-bodied people of the world. It's just stupid and it's degrading. And I just think that we really need to start putting our foot down and telling the world that we are not going to be discriminated against. We are going to go out there in the community. We're going to get jobs. We're going to live... Um, the same standard of living as everyone else, we're going to have the same job as everyone else, and we're not going to tolerate you throwing away our resumes just when they find out we're disabled, okay?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so um, complicated, and even just thinking about it, I'm a little overwhelmed. I don't, yeah, I think yeah, in terms of writing the NDIS and all of that, just it is i would argue 99.9999999% of the time not the participant and it sucks that participants get blamed for it yeah
1: and it's going to be so valuable to me to have a professional organizer to come help with my emails and stuff and I, you know somebody who can when i do high anxiety things you know in more extreme and intense things um, you know, going there, having, you know, somebody be able to go there with me um, and help me with those tasks. You know, there are times when I'm going to have to go to some very high profile things in the future with my job and having a support worker there who can take me to the bright place, tell me where I have to go and, you know, help me, you know, get started is going to be so valuable to me. And I don't care if you think I'm entitled. I need that support. And I don't want it to just be, be infantilized and feel that my parents or my boyfriend has to do it for me. Um, it's not fair. And it's not mm-hmm. fair to have to feel like that. I, there are professional support workers who are able to deal with people with high anxiety, help us stay calm. They're trained in this and they know how it's meant to work. And I need this support to make sure that I feel safe and I I I'm entitled to this, and if you think that is a waste of taxpayer dollars, it think of it like this: it's an investment. I'll be employed because I have this service, and you won't have to pay for any of my things anymore because I'll be fully employed. Um, mm. own my own house, you know, own my own car and stuff. I just need this more. It's an investment. You pay less tax dollars if a disabled person is employed independently by a private company.
0: Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think you
1: nailed that, yeah. And, you know, that's the reason why we do this show every week. It's because those opinions are going to change the world.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um,. Where, is, where are the questions? I think I got rid of them. So what tips do you have for young disabled people wanting to get involved in an organisation such as SIN or any other organisation that provides, you know, real industry support?
0: Uh, for young people who want to get involved in organisations, whether it's SIN, whether it's other ones, I think um, just... Um, send them an email or give them a call or, um, look on their website, um, either by yourself or with support. Um, and generally just have a look around. It can be a little sometimes difficult to find something that fits your particular access needs. Um, but I think as someone who's volunteered at several organizations, um it can just be a matter of like talking and it kind of it it's annoying that the role of education always falls to the person but sometimes a bit of education or you know there are several that if you for example want to volunteer in i don't know um what mechanics i don't know i'm not a mechanic but there are so there's always like more than one organization so it's just finding the right ones that fit you um and yeah but i'd um highly highly recommend just starting to have a look at what you're interested in and then looking at volunteering and if you can't find like an organization to volunteer at um even just seeing what you can kind of do on your own and what you can make and post on um social media or whatever like just to have a record of the skills that you're developing because you might be doing i don't know robotics or something but even just posting that on social media you can show you've got social media skills and stuff yeah
1: um we've been working amazingly with the racer platform instagram please follow us Raider platform it's in um and we've been doing so much outreach, and I love social media stuff. I never really was into it much, you know. Even when I was like a big thing when I was a teenager, I never was much of a social media person. But you know, it's been so valuable for Sin to get. We've got so many new followers, and I really love it. And one thing, you know, there's so many amazing volunteering opportunities out there, and a lot of them lead to real industry experience. And, in my opinion, Razor Platform and Sin has been better at teaching me about journalism. Than university has, so I feel that I didn't even have to go to university to get a journalism education with real industry experience. And I theoretically could not have gone to university if I was doing something else. There's so many great organisations out there that provide volunteering. Many of them are real industries. So La Mama, I mentioned them before. They have a volunteer email list where you can help with show bump ins and bump outs, and that of course leads. You can say you've oh you've you've been the bump out bump in person for this show at La Mama. Great. That's that's a level one of becoming a full-on paid stage manager at a theater perform at a theater organization. So that's an example of um real industry experience coming from a volunteer position. And oh. um, and other you know and, and other places also do things like that. A lot of science places do volunteering and you can sort of, you know, help in sort of science, sorts of fields and that can often lead to jobs in the science field. And oh. You know, a lot of jobs, here say, you know, hey, you can have a degree in this or you can have lots of experience. And volunteering is lots of experience. And I think that's what makes it really valuable. And remember that you volunteer for yourself. You volunteer to build the skills that lead you to paid employment. I'm not I'm not mm. saying that volunteering for altruistic purposes. I mean genuine altruistic purposes in any way, shape or form, bad. I'm very supportive of that sort of volunteering. But make sure you do it because you genuinely want to help people and not because you want to fetishise that group of people. Um, and okay. the best ways of volunteering is actually go out there, help people and talk to them and hear their stories and ask them what they need and how you can best support them. Um, this has been Race a Platform. And this has been the amazing Amy Marks, a former executive producer and host of Razor Platform. And Amy has been an amazing alumni of the show and has been achieving incredible things. So thank you so much, Amy, for participating in Razor Platform. We hope to hear some amazing stuff um, from you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, And I hope to kind of, yeah, um, be back at some point in the future. I've got a few cool personal projects that I'm doing, that I think will be of interest, um to place the platform audience. So hopefully I'll be back around soon.
1: That'll be amazing. And I
0: shot a short film uh, with a majority disabled crew and cast earlier uh, in the year and I'm currently editing it and putting it in post production. Um, and I'm hoping that it'll be screened either in film festivals or through some sort of event.
1: Well, this has been Emmy interviewing Amy Marks for Razor Platform on Tune in next week for more Razor Platform amazingness.